Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. It's been a while, but one of us has been emotionally crippled for the past couple of weeks and hasn't really been able to function like a normal adult human being. Gab, what are you drinking? For the first time, it's not me. I am currently in the process of making coffee. I'm going to be having some coffee and whiskey and Bailey's um, while we record today. So yeah, that's what I'm working on. What are you enjoying today? I, I think you mentioned something about shots earlier. Well, I am drinking uh, grapefruit soju. I don't. I've probably mentioned it before on this podcast. Soju is uh, kind of a national drink of Korea. It is to Korea what sake is to Japan. It's like half strength uh-huh. vodka, and because this is grapefruit, it doesn't taste like alcohol, and therefore it's very dangerous. Last time you had an apple flavored and you didn't care for it. So what, I'm sorry, what was the flavor this time? Grapefruit, much better. It's always citrus. You got over the citrus. Okay, okay. This is this is good to know, good to learn. So what's been going on in your world for the past three weeks? I don't so? remember any of it. I just woke up today and I was like, oh, I don't feel that great. What happened the past couple of weeks? Can't remember. Hmm. And you decide to text me and you go, hey, do you want to record? Yeah. Maybe you can tell me where I've been for, you know, the past 10 to 12 days. Yeah. Okay, it feels like a lifetime, but looking at the actual timeline, I'm talking about weeks, right? But yep. Boston Breakers fold, like I wrote that article January 25th. Oh, it's now February 4th. So it actually has been, let's see. About two weeks. Not even two weeks. It's it's been like one week, one week plus three. Like it's been like ten days. But it feels ten like okay. it's been so much longer. <laughs> and yet it also feels like it's been four days. I don't know. Time is meaningless now. It's one of those things where the rumor I feel like the rumor mill really, 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 really prepared us for this. Yeah. Um, at least for the event to happen. It didn't emotionally prepare us for what this means and it didn't really you know we'll we'll get into what all all of the what's this mean sort of thing but it the rumor mill i feel like softened the blow would you agree a little bit i did know a little bit in advance of um not the league announcement but the night that the news broke that was the 25th that was a sunday night i knew a little bit in advance of that that things had gone to shit um so it kind of helped to, instead of, you know, just sitting down at your computer on Sunday night and then thinking, you know, oh, I'm preseason's almost here. I'm so happy to be preparing for another season with the Boston Breakers. And then yeah. seeing that news. I had a really inappropriate reaction when I found out. I just started, I burst into laughter. I just, <laughs> my, my brain couldn't process it, right? So I just hit the first emotional reaction that came out of me and it was laughter. I was like, of course, of course, ha ha ha. You're like, oh, it's all happening. Yeah, it's happening now. Now is the time when we decided that this was actually going to be a thing that happened. Yeah, um, it also sucked. Well, 
I guess you have a point that it softened it because the news broke Sunday, right? But then the league officially announced it three days later on Wednesday on the 28th. And I understand there was probably legal stuff that was happening that made it so that they could not officially announce it. But it feels like taking three days to detangle something that everybody had, you know, gotten confirmation of on Sunday night. Not great, Bob. What was happening during that time? I know that there were phone calls between Boston and Amanda Duffy. Um, I, I could gather that much. It was, is it lit- literally just the league trying to figure out, like, <laughs> do we have any cash offers? Can we can we spin this into Boston is now becoming um, so, yes. Magic Jack 2.0? So Amanda Duffy gave a ton of interviews in the aftermath of that. She just like made the rounds. And actually, if you compare the answers from the multiple interviews that she gave after that, it's like she had talking points and she just gave every journo the exact same answer. Like she was reading them off cue cards, which I guess is one way to handle things instead of having a genuine human response to something awful. But whatever. She did say that the gap between news breaking and league announcing they were still having conversations. You know, there's that rumor about a last minute ownership group that pulled together because she said uh, they had conversations, including the last 48 hours, right, before she gave her interviews about the league folding. But this ownership group at the last minute couldn't scrape together three to five million dollars. Understandable, unless someone is friends with like Elon Musk or something or Oprah. It's, it just wasn't going to happen. So, yes, I think in that period, it was a combination of Legal stuff, like dotting your T's and signing your I's, whatever. And, you know, listening to whatever last-minute bids were coming in in the hopes that they could pull out a Hail Mary. But it didn't happen. There were no miracles to be had in Boston. The team is gone for now, and I'm going to have another shot. This will be the first podcast where our listeners can hear me get progressively more sauced. Yeah, because the last time we did this, that podcast has never seen the light of day. No, I, I think I almost, I might have deleted it. It's it's buried somewhere on a hard drive, like at the back of my desk. <laughs> the thing with soju is, like, I seem to have developed a specific tolerance for just this. Like, anything else that's about this strength, it would get me drunk. But soju itself, like, I could drink an entire bottle and be fine. I did shots for the first time in a very long time when I was in Vancouver last weekend. Oh, why were you um, in Vancouver last weekend? Uh, I went up for the ISC conference, um, the Independent Supporters Council, uh, and it's just, it was a fun, it, it, it's always fun, and it's always great, like, networking with other supporters groups and hearing about um, issues that they're tackling or uh, discussing best practices and all that stuff, but uh, one thing that we do do is drink quite a bit. And I had four shots in one night and lived to tell the tale. And I'm not a shot taker. I actually kind of say no to it on principle because I don't enjoy them. Uh Um, I just don't, that that, it's not a fun part of drinking to me, but for whatever reason in Canada, I made an exception and it'll probably be the last time I take shots in a very long time. What kind of shots were they? Uh, one was, so I forget how you pronounce it, Malort? Malort? Nope, I'm not going to be any help to you. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's a very, very disgusting 
alcohol. Okay. Uh, that for whatever reason always makes an appearance at the last day, um, at the last meeting, right when we say, okay, we're done. We take shots of this. And uh, what was adorable this time, last year in Atlanta, um, somebody ran out and got like the little plastic lobby drinking cups that um, are available in hotels. So the little, little cheap plastic cups that when they break, it's like glass and slices you. Um, this, this year, though, somebody brought little communion cups. Yeah, so we had to do that. And then uh, throughout the night, there were some whiskey shots. I think there was, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm... boy. Mixing mixing your shot types, too. That's Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was mixing a lot of different things uh... when in Canada. But it's, Canada's magical, and I didn't get a hangover. Canada is magical. That's right? that. Um, I wish I could go back to 2015 in Canada, because <laughs> Boston still existed at that time. <laughs> so, you have any questions about Boston that have been weighing on your mind over there in portland probably not but it's all i've been thinking about for 10 days so so tell me what's top of mind for you top of my mind is how did things get to this point right and that's at multiple levels how did boston breakers themselves get to this point because we've had reports that they've been missing payments for a while and the other owners in the league were kind of just letting them off the hook for it maybe in hopes that they'd pull it together. And then on the league side, it's like, why were you letting them off the hook for so long in the hopes that, like, what benchmarks were you setting? Like, were they meeting them at all? Like, what were they telling you that you were letting this happen? I, like, they could have gotten help sooner than this instead of just kind of stringing everybody along or trying to pretend things are fine or hoping for things in the future. So I think there are a lot of parties here that kind of, indulged in a little too much um forbearance maybe there was a little bit of neglect going on um i'm trying to pull together now a timeline of when things started to slide and how and why i mean i had a source when i was doing the original reporting on the team folding on sunday night and you know i had a source who talked about how the team as early as 2014 had a history, a pattern of missing payments, of not being able to buy things right away. Um, You know, what they told me was they were never able to provide full funding all at once. It always had to be, okay, we'll pay them in a month. We'll pay them in two weeks. So So, as early as 2014. Let me me jump in here for a second. What does they mean? What does, what does they were missing payments mean? Like, like payments to who? Payments to Harvard to use the stadium? Payments to players to pay them? So like what, what as far as I can tell, in twenty fourteen at that time, the examples I can get were things like missing league fines, which were usually in the hundreds, right? So so not necessarily the big operational things that you mentioned, like paying Harvard, although that could have been it. I might not have just gotten that from the sources I was talking to at that time. But So there's two options there, I think. One is that Boston was letting little things slide so that they could pay for the big things, or the little things were sliding because they didn't even have that much money to deal with the little things. Like, both options are really bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was 2014, too, before, you know, uh, before the salary cap really went up, before the the league started implementing newer and higher standards, before A&E came in. 
So right. if you couldn't even hang with the other teams in 2014, like in the second year of the league, what hope was there for you to grow enough to match people in 2017 or 2018? And I think they were hoping, but then you get to interviews with like the president of business ops, Mark Thomas from last season, where he's like, yeah, we increased our marketing spend and we don't know why we haven't been getting more people. And it's like, that's your job to know why. Right. Uh, do you have any demo data? And they're like, no, we can't, you know, paying companies to analyze demo data costs money. It's like, oh, right. So it's just all, although Amanda Duffy also in her kind of non-answers after the whole official announcement was like, it wasn't just about lack of money, which implies to me that there was something specifically about the way Boston Breakers were run or the ownership group that the league was dissatisfied with. Sure, sure. I mean, could it be a thing where the other owners just were done? Yeah, yeah. After a couple years of, you know, essentially forgiving that person who owes you $5,000, you got to be like, look, man, either you pay me or we got to cut bait. Right, right. Uh, and, and honestly, that's what was kind of happening in Boston was there was a letter of intent that was signed at some point, right? Uh. A letter of intent, like... To purchase. Like, the new ownership group fell through, right? I don't think that there... I'm not sure if there was an actual letter of intent, but there were exclusive negotiations with one ownership group. Right. Right. Okay. So so maybe that's a rumor that, that I heard okay. or read online. And, you know, I could see the ownership group saying, okay, we might be able to start working with a new ownership group here soon. Um, and when that deal fell through, the owner, the ownership group just said, the NWSL ownership group just says, we're not willing to do this for another season. While you try to get your ducks in a row, you've had X amount of time to get your ducks in a row. Now, to be fair, Boston's average attendance was kind of slowly increasing 13, 14, 15, 16, but then 17, like many other teams, they had this big drop in the average, mm -hmm. um, with no tournament to help popularize the game. Although, that's another warning sign, because, first of all, a one-year drop in the average should not be enough to drive the owners out of the market, mm -hmm. out of the league. And second of all, teams need to be able to function in years with no tournament. They need to at least be able to maintain some kind of equilibrium in terms of average audience, despite the lack of a big tournament to give them a boost. I'm not uh -huh. expecting them to improve in an off year, but it doesn't, it shouldn't be such a precipitous drop that it, you know, we need to be able to get to that point. It's my understanding that there was an exclusive talk going on with one ownership group, which I had a couple of sources tell me was going to be L Star Ventures, which is a big time real estate company. They were going to move the team down to Union Point in Weymouth, which is 12 miles south of Boston. It's on the commuter rail. It's not even on the regular subway. It's on the commuter rail. Yikes. Um, and they were going to play down there at their sports complex, which eventually was supposed to, I think in their original plans when they were talking about it in 2015, was supposed to have a 10,000 seat soccer and lacrosse specific stadium. Although I'm not sure that's still in their current plans. I mean, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, especially if they had a soccer-specific stadium. A 10,000-seater is perfect for NWSL right. needs. Perfect. That's a sweet spot. That is, that is. I mean, when we talked to, or I guess when Houston 
no, it was when we talked to Ella Masser a few years ago, and she was she was talking about in Houston, if they could sell out the lower bowl three times a year, and the lower bowl is eight thousand mm-hmm. seats, mm-hmm. like that's the sweet spot. If we can get if we can get between eight and twelve thousand people to NWSL games on average, like I I think that it doesn't get much more successful than that. I think that's the great goal. I think realistically, if teams can start bumping up into that four to six thousand average range, I would be pleased with that. Mm-hmm. If the lowest team average is around four thousand, I think that's a decent indicator for the league overall. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sky blue. Not to point fingers. Not to point fingers. Although. I kind of want to know. So Sky Blue, one of their owners, is now governor. So what's right? is he going to have to divest or like put things in a blind I, trust? Like what's I mean, be- divesting isn't a requirement anymore. Is what I'm learning from modern politics. Mm, mm, okay. Well, maybe they can just become the official state sports team. Right. I'll take oh that. Sure. Uh, an they impermissible. Get, they get to be. They get to be the like. Um have like the keys to the state or something like that look well if we're going to have impermissible minglings of you know personal business and politics <laughs> maybe this time it can finally benefit us i don't know right like okay we're going to use this to our advantage kind of okay Shit. so so now next step team had a dispersal draft and that was awful uh, i was i believe i was working all day it was fucking awful that's all that it was you have uh players who are waiting to see if they're going to have jobs in 2018 you've got matt beard seeing everything he worked for being parceled off just and then worst of all is the players who weren't taken in the draft players whose rights so molly pathman and louise Huilgard, everyone expected Pathman's retired. She's going into some medical profession. Huelgard left because I think she and her family weren't happy here. But Haley Dowd and Natasha Dowie getting not taken, that's got to feel bad. Dowd, Mm -hmm. once again, she's pretty much a reserve player. So it was always going to be tough for her to elbow her way into space. But seeing teams pass rather than even take, they don't even have to sign your contract with you, though. It's not like they have to pay you. They're just picking up your rights. So seeing teams pass rather than even pick up the right to like see you play that's gotta hurt and mm-hmm. Natasha Dowie what's the deal with that I don't think she's the best nine in the league but she's not a bad nine depending on you know who's playing underneath her and she did want to come back to NWSL so something else is going on here my only theory right now is that it was a perfect storm of you know what teams needed and the order that they picked in that created this vortex where no one actually picked Dowie. Mm-hmm. That's my only theory at the moment. It's it's interesting because because then you also have to think about what the teams doing the picking are committing to. They're not committing to anything at the moment. They're just taking the rights to players. Although you have to imagine because NWSL tried to incentivize things, one of the few things that they did right was if you take a player from Boston's dispersal draft and they're contracted, right? with boston that means they don't count against your roster limit or your salary cap sure and you get a free international spot if you need one there's there's no risk why not load up on players that you think you could use you don't have to sign them yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know why you leave players out there 
So yeah, I do feel bad for for players who obviously still intended to want to be an NWSL, but maybe they'll go to open tryouts or I don't know, they'll end up as discovery players or something. Yeah. It's hard to think of it from the player's perspective of, you know, they're just, all that they're trying to do is like live their dream. They're trying to chase, chase their dream and have a job. And, you know, job security is not something that a stable league lets players worry about. Yeah. This had nothing to do with performance on the pitch. This had nothing to do with um, commitment or anything like that. This was entirely an administrative fuck up. I'll tell you who I was so relieved to see go in the dispersal draft because I was worried more about them than the others. I knew people like Roosevelt, McCaskill, they'd be fine. People would want them. Um, But I was relieved for Abby Smith, uh, Julie King, Angela Salem, basically kind of your non-big names who I think are great players, but I think have been underrated or undervalued because they've played on a team that has underperformed for so long. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy for Portland to get Angela Salem. You guys have picked up an incredible D-mid there. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest unsung heroes in the league. I'm really happy for Abby Smith landing at Utah with Laura. I think she's an underrated number one NWSL goalkeeper. Really? Yeah. I, I think she has a lot of potential to be a, a consistent number one for any NWSL team in the years to come. Who else is at Utah? Uh, Utah also took Katie Stengel and Brooke I, I mean, I mean, goalkeeper-wise, sorry. Oh, oh, Barney and Kat Parkhill, I guess, from FC Casey. Okay. Barney's getting up there. Um, yep. And I have don't think I've seen an announcement about Barney actually signing. Yeah, they haven't announced a Barney signing yet. So right. I think Abby Smith is in a good position to take over as a as a number one for Utah. Under Laura Harvey. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe Laura Harvey could be a good advocate for her for national team stuff. As we know, mm-hmm. Harvey was at one point positioned to, you know, join in in the US soccer club, but <laughs> Well, she's I wonder how Harvey. Now. I wonder. I wonder what that relationship is like now, though. Oh yeah, that it could also work against her. Yeah, being like, who's calling, Laura? No thanks. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm washing my hair. Aww. Also, I happen to like Abby Smith personally because when I was interviewing in the early weeks of when she first came on with Boston, she asked for food recommendations, like where to eat in Boston, and I was like, all mm-hmm. right, you're cool. <laughs> of course she won you over with food yeah dude food is very important to me oh i know i'm i know extremely important maybe too important (laughs) no i wouldn't say too important Uh, but i do know that food is very important to you yes it is so to me like rose lavelle going to the spirit oh god if cabrera can't pull his shit together this year Given the roster that he has, I, 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 I don't know how he has a job. You you cannot fail with the players yet. I mean, I'm not saying they're automatically a lock to win, but if you're below mid-table with that roster, then you're just not a good coach. I, I, yeah, I, I just, I'm at a loss when I think of the spirit. They had that one good season. Like Lavelle, Pew, you got Andy Sullivan, they picked up Taylor Smith, they got Ashley Hatch. Oh, that's my ride. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm like, sorry, I live downtown. This is just what we hear. 
The Spirit also took uh, Elizabeth Wenger, Tiffany Weimer in the draft. So that's a little bit of depth to their bench. But yeah, obviously the big pickup is Rose Lavelle if she can stay healthy. AKA if US soccer doesn't fucking play her too soon and too long in a meaningless friendly just because they want hometown hype. God, that should have been a fucking crime, re-injuring Roosevelt. That should have been- I mean, it, it was. Someone should have gone to jail for that. Well, Jill Ellis is bulletproof. Someone's got to go. We know that Jill is bulletproof. Hey, so I'm uh, I'm having my second cup of coffee. Are you? How are you doing on your shots? I finished half of half a bottle of soju. I've had like five shots while we've been talking this entire time. Oh, okay. Well, just so you know, we we're gonna have to get you a shot glass with like a bell on it or something. Oh, okay. They're not large bottles. They're not like seven fifty mils. They're small bottles. Sure, they're like beer bottles. Yeah, it's like a beer. It's actually smaller than a beer bottle almost. So, in conclusion. Um, I think that there is a vague, tiny little door that's been left open for the league to re-expand back into Boston, which is the most ridiculous shit that I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm like, please explain to me more. So here's the, the tinfoil conspiracy. Are you ready to put on your little tinfoil hat? Sure. I'm, and, I'm drinking, so let's go for it. NWSL specifically wanted the Boston Breakers ownership gone. Because they had been too janky for too long. They just were not keeping up with the rest of the league. So they let the team die, right? And then Mm -hmm. in a couple of years, they go back to whatever uh, ownership groups they were originally talking to or perhaps new ones and say, do you want to come in to the league in the Boston market? I mean, Duffy's made all this noise about, yeah, we still believe in the Boston market. It's, you know, supported women's team before. It's a market we believe in. So... Not that you should ever take Amanda Duffy at, you know, at face value, especially on this topic, because it's so they've been holding all the cards so close to their chest. But they expand back into Boston with a different ownership group in a couple of years without having had to go through the hassle of the current ownership group and like transferring everything like they just essentially wipe the slate clean and then come back in later with newer, richer owners. Mm-hmm. That's the conspiracy theory. Hi, Charles. Okay. By the way, shout out to Charles, who is been an advocate for this theory sure so what does that mean i don't know it's a conspiracy theory it doesn't have to mean anything legitimate i just it makes my brain hurt and i love it it does make my brain hurt so i'm going to take another shot can you hear me can you hear me unscrewing the cap on this bottle and then some good, now i can some good glugging sounds it's it's very light and pleasant there you go not there like me. Go. I'm not light and pleasant because I'm dead inside. Uh, you've had a rough t- couple weeks. <laughs> ten days, a rough ten days. You've had well, a rough ten days. It and actually, yeah, yeah it has coming, been more like two uh, weeks for me. Yeah. We had a the Riveters had a bingo event this week, and I had a few people come up to me saying like, "When are you guys going to record? I've been waiting for the new Two Drunk Fans episode, and I'm just like, space." See, something traumatic has happened, and we need to give those who actually experienced it and are impacted space. So when Steph is ready to record, I will be there to record. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. But I'm not going to be a paparazzi, like, like seagull, vulture, vulture. coming at you going, oh my god, Steph, dispersal draft was today. Let's get drunk and record. Trying to swoop down on the fries of my sadness. Yeah, no, no. I wait for you to come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, here's here's how I'll put it. Obviously, I don't want to belittle people who've gone through 
something as emotionally traumatic as divorce, but it feels like a divorce. I feel like I'm losing an essential part of my life that has helped me define my identity for so long. And now it's just gone, you know? Well, and it's a primary reason why you still live in Boston. It's not the primary reason. It's just a reason, all right? Well, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. I, I overstated. But it is a big reason. It is a big reason why I've stayed in Boston. I have, like, foregone looking for job opportunities in other cities because I needed to stay close to this stupid team. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's one of these things where it had, it had every, everything about this has happened outside of your control. This is not a league collapsing. This is your team. My dumb team. And now I probably have to go get an Angela Salem Thorns jersey. This is just awful. I mean, if you want me to buy it for you, I think I get like a ten percent discount. Well, we'll talk about it later. Let's. I'm just, I'm just saying, I can, I can help you out there. So, just in conclusion, just be kind to the Boston fans in your life. They're going through a tough time. Um, also, FCKC fans. Yes. <laughs> Let's hang out soon. Yes, I was gonna say FCKC and Boston fans. You guys, when you come to bars. Your drinks are on all the rest of us. Yeah. Although, don't forget, if you're inclined to buy a round for a Boston Breakers fan, um, the Boston Armada is actually encouraging you to donate the cost of that round to Boston Scores, which is a program in Boston that brings soccer and education to underserved youth. So I think that's you know something good that you can do. Like If something is going to come out of all this, at least you can give soccer to some poor kids, you know? Is there a website or something like that that we could post for folks who do want to help? Because I know you mentioned that, uh, uh, you know, you're you're selling a lot of scarves right now for the Armada. Um, <laughs> probably more scarves than you've sold in a little while. And I think that's uh, people who are saying we want to help. We just don't know how. Mm-hmm. So uh, Boston Scores, we'll post a link underneath this episode, but their website is just bostonscores.org. Um, they provide Boston youth with team-based education programs that develop the whole child, and they're part of America Scores. So um, I know that uh, one of the Midnight Writers, Fran Harrington, is involved with Boston Scores, and he's a good dude. So if anyone can vouch for a program, it's Fran. I think it's you know just a really cool thing that people can do to continue helping soccer in Boston. Yeah, soccer in Boston isn't going away, unfortunately. The Boston Breakers ownership group has been told they need to turn their keys and their name badge in and to exit the building. Turn in your gun badge. Um, But I I think the Boston area, uh, the New England market, huge. A lot of youth soccer, a lot of development. I think the Boston Breakers Academy is still going to happen. Yes, it is. And Um, I think we'll probably still have a WPSL team somewhere in the area as well. So. You know, yeah, support. so so Boston soccer isn't gone. No. Um, they've never claimed to be, you know, Soccer City USA like Kansas City did and then turned their back on FCKC. Two-time national uh, champion FCKC. I, I divert. Um, but I think we are in a situation where we need to figure out, you know, what's next. What's next? The league the league now has nine teams. Yep. It's the first week of February. Where's and folks are already grumbling about schedule. Where's the schedule? So I know Merritt Paulson did his usual tweets, which 
I know he has his detractors, but at least Merritt Paulson talks about this stuff. Like, right? He's probably the second biggest source of news about the league, other than the league itself. That's not the greatest situation for the league. And he was like, understandably, we've been dealing with some other stuff, but I think it's also understandable to expect that because you knew that this deal was on the rocks before the draft, that maybe the league should have had a contingency plan. Like, you need to be planning for a schedule with nine teams. I don't know if they pay but, but, anybody but enough does to deal the with league, that. But... Does the league, and we need to remember that when we say the league, we're talking about a front office of less than a dozen people. Mm-hmm. Does the league really, like, yes, they should, but can they? That's another good point. I mean, Boston Breakers still have an NWSL webpage. <laughs> Um, on the NWSL official homepage. Here's what I think is telling. Y'all Averbush at the United Soccer Coaches Convention, whenever she was interviewed about what she thought needed to happen with the league, she mentioned a fully staffed front office. So mm-hmm. even though A&E came in and last season there was talk about expanding roles in NWSL, Amanda Duffy, I think, talked about hiring like a dozen mm-hmm. new people. It's still not enough to actually run a whole league. A so, nationwide league. So like, we're not talking about a little regional, you know, trying to book rec fields. We're talking, we're, we're booking major, major facilities. We're negotiating major deals mm-hmm. uh, or should be negotiating major sponsorship deals. And we need to be better communicating to players. Yeah. So I think you have a really fair point there in that there's behind the face of the league you know as some faceless entity behind it there are real people who are probably extremely overworked and underpaid to try and get all this done that being said where is the schedule so the thing is i i get it i get that we huff and puff about schedule and i did the i i I tracked this history last year Mm -hmm. and i i I feel like we're in an episode groundhog groundhog day every february in nwsl world because every February we get antsy about there being a schedule. And part of that is because we're watching MLS preseason happen where we know what MLS is doing. And we say, holy tin, tin pot league, NWSL, get your shit together. Mm-hmm. But, and to defend NWSL for two seconds, the earliest that the schedule has ever arrived was February 5th, 2015. The latest the schedule arrived was last year on March 1st. Maybe we should all just lower your expectations. Right? Like, I, I get it. Like, I get that we want to book trips. I get that we want to do travel. And I get that we want to plan for Pride weekend. And we want to book tickets to a final. And we, I get that we want to do all those things. But precedent is not supporting our wants and needs right now. They, they have given us this. They've given us opening and closing weekend and the date of the final. So opening weekend, March 24th and 25th. Closing weekend will be uh, September 8th and 9th. Semifinals, September 14th, 16th. Finals, September 22nd. Preseason begins February 19th. How much is this going to be impacted by the breakers? Probably actually not at all. Okay, so so that though, that's a primary question I have is the breakers leaving, we're now down to nine teams. Do the total number of tickets, the total number of games 
um, not tickets. The total number of matches played, does that number adjust? No, they're... Uh, every team was supposed to play 24 game schedule. I believe that is still the same. It just means instead of the whole regional rival bullshit, each team is supposed to play every other team at least three times, I want to say. Right, right. Now we're going to have two rivalry teams. Yeah. So it still should be a 24 game schedule. So every team should have the same number of home games, at least. You're still going to get a dozen home games. It's it's going to be a fuck ton of travel. Uh, Yeah, I am looking for my season ticket refund. <laughs> It'll be like a little early tax refund. Yay. Please keep us in the loop as to when you see that because see Lord that knows money? what they were avoiding paying with that cash. I know. Oh my God. Where like, like talk about a class action something. I don't I I wonder though if they weren't even allowed to spend that though. If they were like, Look, things are so weird right now, you need to hold that in escrow at the moment because if you spend that it's like some kind of malfeasance or whatever. Maybe. I, I don't know. It was earmarked for, for something to be paid for in the future. So potentially. I just, with so many things up in the air and such a thinly staffed front office and so many MLS clubs now in this league, and I can speak from sitting in or, or experiencing what the, the Timbers and the Thorns relationship is that there's not a lot of bandwidth at each one of the clubs to like specifically care about what's going on in Thorns world. Like they care. It's just, it's not like there's a person that cares. It's everybody needs to care equally. You know what I mean? So, so I worry about that season opener date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I worry if mid mid March is too soon to try to pull this stuff together and get consensus across nine teams about now where do you go for that third match? Who do you play for that third match? Because I know that owners and I know that coaches and general managers are looking at the strategy behind this. And I'll say, for example, Portland doesn't necessarily want to say, yeah, we're totally going to play Salt Lake an extra time now that Boston's out. Like maybe (laughs) – I mean, I I hate to say it, but maybe maybe those Boston points were points that folks were counting on. Wow. Okay. And well, now everybody now everybody's looking at you know uh, how how do how is this going to impact the whole season? If you were counting on points by beating Boston, then you don't deserve to go to playoffs. That's all I'm going to say about that. I mean. They strategically set up their schedules so that they can get momentum in certain areas. Mm. Just if you needed to count on three points from Boston, then I don't think it's count on, but I think you look at an East Coast trip and you go, okay, we were going to play Boston, Sky Blue, and Washington all in one ring. And now the schedule shifts so that now instead of playing Boston, you're you're flying all over the place. If I'm a GM, I'm pushing back on that, going, oh, "Look, I still want to I still want to have my team play all in one region." Well, here's what I'll concede: I'll concede that that is a legitimate concern or a goal that you know someone in charge of scheduling might have had. Just accepting the reality of the quality of the teams that you know were on the list, but also. Now that Boston is out, all that I have left to me is, like, petty bitterness and drama. 
So I'm just going to say, if you were counting on Boston points away, well, screw you, pal. I mean, we got our ass kicked in Boston more times than I care to recount. So I don't think also, we were ever banked on Boston points. 2018 was going to be a different year. If we had a healthy Roosevelt, we had Savannah McCaskill as well, we had a little bit of a revamp defense, it would not have been easy points, I just don't think. So anybody who was counting on that again in 2018 was not reading the room correctly. Sure, sure. And 2017 started out the same way until Rose Lavelle got injured. Oh, God. Okay. Let's not think about that. Let's let's just okay. let's just think about healthy Rose Lavelle and, you know, hopefully we'll get the schedule <laughs> soon and then we can move on to the next topic, which I know you've been enjoying on Twitter. I love Hope Solo drama. <laughs> I love it. I just, I love, I love when whenever she just pops up. In case you guys have not been following, Hope Solo and Julie Foudy are beefing on Twitter. Two grown-ass women <laughs> are beefing <laughs> quite, on Twitter. With quite the platform. Over, you know, maneuvering for U.S. soccer president. So here's the thing. Some random shit-stirring bro Twitter account tried to be like, Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm are campaigning for certain people, blah, 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 blah. And both Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm were like, no, that's not the case. Hope Solo was like, so did you not organize a call last week with select, but not all, former players, as well as current players and athlete council members advocating for the status quo, Kathy Carter? And Julie was like, I did organize a call, but it wasn't to talk about candidates. It was about the power of the athletes council. So on one hand, Julie, how do you talk to the power of the Athletes Council without mentioning which candidates are up and, like, which ones you think benefit or harm the goal of, you know, the advancement of soccer in this country, right? Um, unless you just say, like, here are the characteristics I think benefit soccer in this country without ever naming names and you can, like, connect the dots for yourself. I don't think that happened. But on the other hand, Hope, like... Yes, sometimes people advocate for candidates. Like, that's what happens in an election. I'm honestly kind of team nobody here. I'm just team popcorn. <laughs> I'm team sit back, drink my coffee with booze, and refresh Twitter. I mean, Foudy just posted half an hour ago. Um, love the passion I'm seeing, but don't always default to scandal or the negative. Utilizing that power means the pros and cons to voting as a block as athletes and the power the athletes have if can stay together for whomever candidate they decide now spin as you wish. So it sounds like she organized a call to facilitate a conversation to say, what do you want? Yeah. I would and let's talk that. about the pros and cons of the individual of, of what's going on here, but it wasn't necessarily to say, okay, so guys, who do we want to vote for? Yeah, I would believe where she was like, guys, the Athletes Council needs to vote as a block. We cannot be split. So the Athletes Council um, is 20% of the total vote. And let's see. Uh, Julie Foudy is actually not on it. But I'll tell you the female players who are on it. Shannon Box, Lauren Holiday, Angela Hucles or Huckles, Lori Lindsay, Kate Markgraf, Heather O'Reilly, Leslie Osborne, Lindsay Tarpley and Allie Wagner. And there are, oh, and Christy Rambone. I realize the Athletes Council was all retired. Yeah, and there are some male players on it, you know, Brian Ching, whoever. Retired from the national team anyway. I mean, Heather O'Reilly is obviously still an obvious uh, Oh, I, I totally missed Heather O'Reilly. Yeah. So I can see your point, 
where she she might have been calling to be like, what do you guys want to do? And Hope Solo gets wind of this via Twitter and via, you know, in a very Hope Solo manner, jumps off the conclusion cliff. (laughs) Jump to conclusions, Matt. (laughs) And just, you know, further proves that she doesn't really have a great PR person on speed dial. She has great PR when she has time to put out a statement. Have you read her complaint to the U.S. Olympic Committee about U.S. soccer? Yes. All 30 plus pages of it? Yes. I think it's a good policy critique of U.S. soccer, but I don't think it's anything that the Olympic Committee can convincingly rule on. Correct. I think I think it's a good thing for players to or former players to bring shed light on and hopefully empower players in the moment to say something. But I don't think anything's going to come of it. Yeah, the U.S. Olympic Committee is not going to go look at that and be like yes obviously we must suspend u.s soccer for 180 days while they implement she didn't actually make a ton of suggestions she just pointed out what was wrong in the complaint i don't think hope solo has a chance of winning this election for various reasons i think the front runners here are probably carter winalda and martino maybe cordero has a couple of eggs in the basket, but I think those three are the front runners here. And I think the closer we get to the election, the more we might see that some of the other candidates um, might be willing to say, okay, I concede, and I think we should all vote as a block for Martino, Winalda, or Carter. Yeah. To get back on Solo for a second, I I struggle with the way that she announced Um the initial reaction from her former teammates on both national team, but also club was audibly on Twitter. Wow. She didn't preface. She, she didn't tell anyone she was doing this. It, it seems. Yeah. It was just so out of the blue. People were like, she doesn't have three votes or three sponsoring members, but she does have three sponsoring members. And then just, it, it was just it was shocking for everyone and to me that's not how you that's not how you play a political game you don't cannonball into the pool of candidates you don't cannonball you don't sneak attack you don't throw your hat in the ring to be this this wild candidate who is going to swing the vote one way or another like that's what you do when you anticipate that it's going to be a fucking tight race but there are just there's too much noise going on in this election so I think there's two options here. One is that Hope Solo has entered the race in good faith, thinking that she does have a shot to become U.S. soccer president. And honestly, you can't discount that because the level of self-belief that, you know, people at that level have had to demonstrate. Like, you look at Carly Lloyd and just the level of self-belief that she has to have in herself to perform at the level she does. It may differ across athletes, but that's my example because she's Hope's ride or die. She may genuinely believe I am in this and I have a shot to win. The other option I see here is that she's self-aware enough to realize she doesn't really have a chance to win, but she's entering because she wants to make noise. She wants people to talk about certain things, and so she's going to enter and keep stirring the pot until people talk about the issues that she thinks are important. Totally. Which I think she's been fairly successful at. Yeah. I don't necessarily but think option two is a bad shade. thing. 
when shit happens. Uh, and that's where Solo falls victim. I don't necessarily think Hope Solo would be a good U.S. soccer president. Not for for various reasons. Um, not just because I think she's too much on the soccer side versus like a financial or business side. Which I which I think it's it's necessary to acknowledge that that business side is an important component of running U.S. soccer because you need money to do shit. Um, yes, but also because you need a lot of money, and that's what U.S. soccer president yeah. should be focused on. But also because I don't necessarily know if she's a bridge builder. She's kind of a blow the bridge up, take the remains, grind them into dust, bury them, and then salt the earth. Well, right. so she was she was a rep for the players uh, when negotiating contracts and things like that. And, you know, that's that's been a, a majority of the soapbox that she or the platform that she's had um, while she's been running. So I, I do think she can bring people together and speak for a collective, but I don't think she can necessarily do that if there's a Grand Canyon between the sides. I would agree. She can be a very strong player advocate. Yes. Although I think the manner in which she advocates sometimes can be to the detriment of those for whom she is advocating, if that makes sense. Yes. So the annual general meeting at which the vote is supposed to take place is February 8th through 11th. So about a week from now, we're going to know who won this presidential election. Um, that is the National Council meeting, I want to say. Uh, oh, So that's February 10th. So on February 10th, we're going to know who's going to be the new U.S. soccer president. I think it'll take a couple of rounds of voting. I don't think we're going to get a simple majority right away. But it'll be interesting. I, I, I really think some of the smaller candidates like Winograd, Gans, Caligari, they might have to drop out after the first round and say, okay, my block of votes should go to XX or X. So sure. we'll see. Who do, you, who do you want to win, if you're comfortable expressing your opinion on that? Uh, uh, Kyle, probably. Mm. I, I think I'd also want Kyle Martino to win. I think he's a little bit green, but he's earnest. And I can handle, you know, corny, but earnest. Because if he genuinely, I, you know, he genuinely wants what's best. I don't feel like he has a cross to bear as much as just improve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Eric with Eric, I just I get the swarmy. He just wants to burn it to the ground and rebuild it. Mm. You know, like he had such a bad experience as a player that fuck you all. I'm here. I'm taking names, and we're going to do better. And while I while I think that you know something positive could potentially come out of that, I don't think that that's healthy for a leadership to. I, I don't think that's a healthy mentality for leadership to ever have. I think leadership should always be thinking, <clears throat> look at what we've done and how can we improve? Mm-hmm. Not how do we tear it all down and rebuild it because I am, I am better and I am God and this is this is the way that it should be done. Mm-hmm. We're running a little short on time, so we can wrap up because there's been some trades recently. I know you have feelings on at least one of these trades. I do. Michelle Betos returning to Seattle. 
returning. I think that's important. Returning to Seattle. Mm -hmm. She started her career in NWSL in Seattle, got traded to the Portland Thorns, was our goalkeeper for three seasons, two seasons. And, you know, did some amazing things in Portland. Um, she didn't win a championship. Uh, she won an NWSL trophy though. Um, and I am forever grateful for that, but man, am I going to enjoy heckling her when she comes back to Providence park? Um, I think, I think it was one of those relationships that you have with a player where it's mutual respect and man, like her leaving and, and going to, to, um, God, where did she go? Valeringa? Is that see, Norwe- Australia Nor- Norwegian team, top Syrian. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I mean, when she went abroad, it was definitely one of those, one of those, like, bittersweet, oh, no, come back. But, I mean, just like life, you know, we move on, and we've moved on to something better. And... I'm not I'm not upset by the Beto's thing at all. I'm actually kind of looking forward to playing Seattle now, which is not something that I usually am looking forward to. You know who might be upset is Chicago fans of Kristen Press ends up in Houston. Right? I don't think it's a given yet that Press is going to be in Houston, although Vera Powell has certainly spoken of Press and Kaya Simon in in a way that means she has certainly contemplated the reality of having both of them. Um, I think she spoke about them in a way where she's like, she wants to set up press as kind of that nine and Kai Simon as a center attacking mid underneath her to arrive late in the box. Um, still not a given that either one of them is going to sign for Houston. <laughs> Have fun with that dash fans. I don't know. But like how, how do dash fans like wash away this horrible reputation this team has? <laughs> I think they're f- uh, the Dynamo need to start giving a shit about the Dash. I think right? that's part of the problem. I think they're MLS just affiliate. Not Treat- a ton of shit. Yeah. Just give them a shit. Just give them a shit. Name of the t- this episode. A shit. <laughs> not even all the shit. All shits. we need is a shit. <laughs> that's me some mornings before I have my coffee. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I love that's the name of the episode. Write that down. Okay, I will. I won't no, because no. my coordination has gone by the wayside. I I'm I got drunk accidentally. I yeah I have had almost a full bottle of soju by now. I wasn't planning to be um, this is flushed f- at this point, and it, I am definitely like tipsy. I think this is the first episode where our listeners have heard me gradually get a little bit you know loosey goosey over the course a of the episode. Bit, a little bit loosey goosey, although you're still calling me out when I when I say inappropriate things, which it, is helpful, extremely helpful, I, and. <laughs> appreciate it i don't need i can do that in my sleep dude i I know i feel like you do that when you're not even listening to me you just you send me a text it's like dude you shouldn't have said that i'm like god damn it you're right how did you know i was in? how did you know i'm always listening i'm always listening i know you're my fbi agent (laughs) like through your little camera and your your phone i'm always (laughs) with you (laughs) creepy so, All right, dude. Well, I hope that this was a little therapeutic. It was to talk about it. It's um, uh, we're we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm about to go make a bunch of tacos using a recipe that's supposed to simulate Taco Bell meat flavor. Interesting. Let yeah. me know how that goes. Oh, I will. I will. 
I'm doing everything in my power to avoid the Super Bowl. Um, I think I might go eat dumplings next. Soup dumplings. You should get soup dumplings. Yeah, I think think I'm going to have some soup dumplings. Okay. Well, you have some soup dumplings. I'm going to go eat some bread so that I'm not (laughs) standing over open flames, you know, totally. Well, good luck to you. Uh, are you are you rooting for a particular team in today's big football game? Um, I live in Boston, and I don't like the Patriots. So if the Eagles won, I wouldn't be upset. Boom. That was the answer I was expecting. <laughs> okay. <laughs>